The Becker's team is excited to be making our return to in-person events this fall. Join us in September for Becker's Hospital Review 6th Annual Health IT and Revenue Cycle Conference. We have opportunities to attend the in-person program in Chicago and also to join us virtually from the comfort of your own home. For information about registering and to find out if you are eligible to attend free of charge, reach out to us at registration at beckershealthcare.com. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Lori Knowles, Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at Memorial Hermann in Houston. Lori, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we dive into the questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, So my name is Lori Knowles. I am the Senior Vice President, Chief Human Resource Officer at Memorial Hermann here in Houston. Uh, I've been with Memorial Hermann about 10 years uh, and in this role since 2017. In healthcare, much longer than that, about 28 years. Uh, I feel like I've made the rounds in healthcare. I've been in academic medicine, for-profit, not-for-profit, philanthropic, and startup. Uh, I had a variety of operational and people roles throughout my career, which has been great and wonderful. Um, Educationally, I have a master's in HR uh, and organizational management and a healthcare leadership certificate from Rice. Um, In terms of community involvement, I serve on several advisory boards here in Houston and uh, two workforce committees. I also serve as the president of the Houston chapter of the Healthcare Human Resource Association and also as a non-executive director on a public company board in the healthcare sector. Got it. So you've got just kind of a fascinating array of experiences that you've had throughout your career and bringing that to Memorial Hermann, I'm sure is a great asset. I'm wondering, especially given your role as the president of the Healthcare Human Resource Association, um, what are some of the big issues that a lot of the, you know, human resources executives are concerned with today? Oh, gosh. Um, and it's probably similar here in Houston than it is across the country. I also am on a couple of really good CHRO groups nationally. Big items, uh, labor shortage, right? Um, I know that lots of industries are experiencing that right now. But this is, uh, for me, I've seen the largest number of open positions that I've ever seen in my career. So it's really causing us to have to think differently, um, find sort of creative ways to organize work, new shifts, different jobs, different experiences. We have to obviously make sure that we provide care for our patients, but we also have to be thinking about providing an employee value proposition that speaks to the workforce of the future and not necessarily just to the workforce of the past, and that's really challenging. I think other things we're talking about a lot are future of work. What does all this mean? The ways that we've been working obviously has been disrupted quite a bit during the pandemic. And what what is the go forward path? Uh, lots of new mindsets, new ways of working, new skills. Leaders need new skills uh, to manage kind of a hybrid or a remote workforce. That's a different skill set. Uh, new ways to build culture. How do you do that in a hybrid situation? New technology, new routine. So these are the kinds of things that we're thinking about. Other other topic that comes to mind is this idea of resiliency and wellness in our workforce. It's been such a tough year, and particularly with our healthcare heroes, uh, they've just worked nonstop, and they're tired. And we really need to focus on resiliency and wellness in a different way than we may have done in the past. 
Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, from um, your vantage point at Memorial Hermann, is there anything that you're currently doing to to really attract some of the people who, you know, are maybe early in their careers to come into the workforce or make Memorial Hermann a more attractive place than others in the market? Well, I think um, the way I look at this is that this isn't necessarily a competitive advantage. Uh, I mean, certainly you could look at it that way, but I try to think about it a little more broadly in terms of the healthcare industry. I think the industry, we need to find new ways. So I'm part of the healthcare group in Houston as we're actively sharing ideas for how are we thinking about providing a new employee value proposition. So really personalizing experiences. You know, in the healthcare industry, we've been thinking about personalizing experiences for patients now for a long time. How do we shift our mindset and say, if we want our employees to be customer obsessed. How do we become employee obsessed? How do we provide individualized, personalized experiences that make life easier for our employees? How do we allow people to bring their whole selves? So during the pandemic, things like really expanding dependent care help, expanding how we help our employees connect with child care providers, for example, expanding our access to to tutors, connecting our own employees to allow them to being to, to be a part of one another's help experience. Um, how do we think about providing healthy food in a convenient way? Um, what about new digital solutions that can help employees better manage their own health? We, for example, provided Headspace to all of our employees during the pandemic, and we're going to keep it up. We also doubled our behavioral health resources on site. So it's really about thinking about the employee as a person um, and providing and allowing them to bring their whole self because that's what's going to create the employee experience that's sticky and cause people to be attracted to us and to stay with us. Absolutely. I think all of those are really great points and, you know, great to hear there's been such collaboration within the healthcare providers, especially in Houston, to make sure that, you know, you're making that pivot and able to keep and retain healthcare workers in that space. So that, that's really interesting. Now, I'm wondering if for you in particular and thinking about your career, what are some of the biggest risks that you've taken that paid off? The biggest risk I ever took that paid off uh, was taking a chance to go to a startup company. So I left a very large national healthcare company uh, to become the vice president of HR for a retail health company. And that company had just received a large private equity infusion and was making a growth play across the U.S. So I'd been in larger organizations for years. And when I made the move, I, I was really excited to be part of building something from the ground up. In my mind, it was to build a human resource function the way I thought it should be after all I'd learned. And what I learned when I got there was there's really no such thing as a job or a lane, if you will, in a startup. It's pretty much everybody does everything. It was an incredible opportunity to grow and learn and really begin to understand the business of healthcare. Uh, in fact, I actually ended up as the COO of that company. And I credit that experience with giving me the understanding of how healthcare actually works, how we make and lose money, uh, what I would call the absolute sanctity of high quality, that, that is first and foremost all the time, and what is most important to patients. 
And for me, that opportunity totally shifted the way I approach leading HR. Uh, it, it will have forever changed the way I look at what's important and how people and business connects to serve an organization. Got it. Got it. That's so interesting to hear. And, you know, it was another thing I was interested in um, that time at the startup and your time, you know, beyond just the healthcare space. Are there any other lessons that you've learned that you can bring and apply to um, healthcare that could be really valuable and beneficial for the future? You know, I think that this idea in healthcare that we've, I have run across in that providing great care to patients and high quality care is somehow diametrically opposed from running a good business, right? And I've seen it shift over the years, but I think the this idea that it's it's all part of providing a bigger, higher mission. And so if to the degree that you can get above the day-to-day, the problem that sits in front of you right now, remind yourself why you're here, what you're doing this for. Uh, you know, I, I'm famous for saying to people, we're not making peanut butter here, folks. Um, I, I think that it's it's a helpful way to look at things. And when you find yourself kind of across the table from someone with a different perspective, which will probably happen to you five or six times a day some days, is to really take a step up and, and try to get back at the place that where you have a shared common purpose. Got it. Got it. Absolutely. I think that's a really great point. Now, what do you do differently that has made you successful throughout your career? Probably related to what I just said. Um, and I'm not sure if this is different, but I've had a lot of jobs over these 28 years. And what I've learned, and I learned early, is that there is rarely only one answer to a problem. There's probably lots of ways that could be successful. And so the idea that not everyone shares your perspective, and it's important to put yourself in other people's shoes, sometimes in meetings you know, I'll literally imagine myself sitting in everyone's chair and trying to make the argument from their point of view so that I force myself to think about things in a different way than comes naturally to me. Um, you know, everything they teach you in management school is right. Participation is everything. <laughs> Participation breeds buy-in. It just does. Um, and so I think over the years, I've gotten better at being intentional about that. Uh, I try to be transparent. I try to be authentic. I try to be the same person no matter what audience I'm with. Um, and so I think that's been helpful. Also, I would say that I've also, I also know that there are some times that a hard decision just needs to be made and somebody needs to be the name associated with that hard decision and that's okay. And so I don't shy away from doing that when it has to be done. Absolutely. Got it. I, I think that's really great advice. And, you know, so interesting to think about um, being in a meeting and having other people across from you and thinking about what their perspective is and placing yourself there. I think that's really empathetic and in, in the way that you work that into, you know, your leadership and developing your career, I think is fascinating. I think it's also effective to do not just with people in the meeting with you, but if you're trying to design a solution, you know, a, a 
a product, a benefit, a program, to think about your end user also sitting in a chair across from you and telling you and thinking, if I was this end user, right, what what am I going to experience with this program? What would I want out of it? And I think we've done that for a long time from the consumer perspective. I'm not sure we've always done it as well from the employee perspective. Absolutely. I think that's that's a really great point. Um, and, you know, I'm wondering, how do you see your teams evolve over the next year or so? I, I know there's a lot of changes going on right now in healthcare, and we've talked extensively about, you know, some of the ways that you're pivoting to be more focused on the workforce and having that personalized experience for employees. So what do your teams need in order to make sure you're able to deliver that? It's really interesting. We're talking about this a lot uh, in terms of if we're going to approach the employee experience in a different way and we're going to take this personalized approach. So one of the things that we did, for example, as a specific example, is we took all of the employee data at Memorial Hermann and we analyzed it and tried to figure out who, who works here. And we took all the different demographics into effect. How long have people been here? Age, race, experience, types of jobs, married, single, have kids, retiring. And we we basically boiled down our data into what we call personas. I'm sure everyone knows what a persona is. But at Memorial Hermann, we have about seven. And they range from brand new nurse straight out of school, this is the first job and needs help in all kinds of areas like financial planning and what does it mean to like have a job, to the mid-careerist that's dealing with kids, maybe wants to change careers, all the way to the employed physician who's considering retirement. So we, we really used our own data to say who, what kinds of experiences are important to our people. That exercise showed us that we need much stronger sets of analytic skill sets within HR to be able to do those kinds of things. We need to be able to understand our data and tell stories better than we have in the past. We need to learn things like journey mapping. If we're going to create personalized journeys, I need to go to my consumer experience department and ask them to help me and my team develop journey mapping skills. So I think there is this incredible need for business acumen, and, and I, I'm a strong believer in that, that you know, HR has to understand the business. That is how we add value. Um, but I think just this, this upskilling of the HR function to be more business savvy and to gain those skills that we've traditionally seen in other parts of the business is incredibly important. Got it. Thank you so much for going through that with us, Lori. That's, you know, so interesting to hear. Um, before we wrap up our conversation, can you share three trends in the healthcare industry that you're following most closely today? Sure. Um, so I, I think we've talked about two already, uh, healthcare labor shortage. I think that's really uh, going to be our, our rate limiting barrier to healthcare coming up if we're not really careful and don't think about how we want to do things differently. We have to think about how we get nurses working at the top of their license and we take some of that administrative work off of them. You know, we've been saying that for 20 years. It's time to do it. We have to do it. So we have to, you know, buckle down and do the hard work here. I think the other thing obviously is future of work and and what does that mean for us? 
uh, that's on my mind a lot. And then I, I guess the other one that I would say that might be a, a little bit non-traditional HR thinking is virtual and digital health. And I think for me, the way I look at it is twofold. One, obviously, we know that when you can get a patient to engage in their uh, managing their own health, your outcomes are better. I need to think about that in terms of the employees that are on my benefit plan. So, you know, we have 40-something thousand covered lives. I need to be able to think about how can I make it easy for that group to manage their health. So I'm active. There's tons of new entrants in this marketplace. So I'm actively watching new entrants. I'm probably once or twice a week having calls or conversations with a new company that's come out with some new idea for self-management digital health. And so I'm, I'm really paying attention to that virtual health. Um, I want to make sure that our plans are very modern because, you know, ultimately it's the right thing to do for for patients and will help us build healthier communities, you know, not just now, but into the future. Lori, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.